good morning. My name's Jim Rowan. I get to serve as the missions pastor here at Central. I also do the church business administration. It's a blessing, but it's a busy life. I appreciate it. And in case you don't know them, I want to introduce to you this morning Jonathan and Amanda Rhines. Okay, just because he's prettier than me doesn't mean you have to applaud so much. But we're going to talk a minute, if that's okay. So how long have you guys been members of Central, and where are you plugged in? What all are you involved in? Well, we've been coming to Central since 2015. Uh, What originally drew us here was we were looking for a church that had uh, a body of believers that were in the same life stage that we were in, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, 20 to 30 years old, newly married. And we got connected immediately with uh, Jorge and Julius Rosalind Sunday School class for newly married. And from there, we got connected with home groups and uh, we've been leading a home group since 2016 with another couple here at Central, TJ and Lindsay McClarty, uh, and that's growing and going strong and multiplying. And uh, Amanda is also in um, uh, the youth program, teaches uh, seventh grade girls. That's pretty cool. And so you guys are here today to tell us about um, being interested in becoming missionaries. So tell me a little bit about SEND. Well, Send International is a missionary organization that we got connected with because there's actually two people here from Central already on the field, uh, Nathan and Mariah Warner. And somebody had suggested to me, well, go look into their organization. And so when we started researching them, we absolutely just completely connected with their mission, which is to mobilize God's people, whether that's here or whether that's the countries that we're going to be going to, to mobilize them to specifically go and outreach to populations that are less than 2% Christians. And the idea behind it is that we, through the partnered work um, and looking for God's purposes in these, in these countries, the churches in these countries can start to reproduce and grow, which is going to give um, more access to the gospel that, may, that these countries don't have yet. Okay. <laughs> Why Japan? What's up with that? Um, well, we're we're both from North Carolina, and we're from an area. Of well, a, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that totally makes sense now. Uh, we're but we're from an area of that state where there are just churches everywhere, on, right. practically on every street corner, and it doesn't mean that everybody's a believer. It just means that people have an easy access to Jesus, uh, and they at least have a head knowledge of who He is, and that's a start. And um, contrast that with a country like Japan, which is the second most unreached country in the world behind North Korea. Uh, half, a percent, half of a percent of the population know who Jesus is. And statistics like that really stirred us and made us want to get involved with the ministries that are there trying to reach the people, the other 99.5%, and to give them that same access that we had growing up. That's good. Now for the hard question. So how did you know this is what you're supposed to do? Well, I wish I could tell you that we had a big hallelujah course moment, but that's not at all what happened. Um, my heart for missions started when I was younger, but, you know, I got distracted by life. But then we got really plugged in to here at Central, and it was just this constant. I love how Pastor Mark put it last week. There was this nudging on our heart all the time. And every time I opened my Bible or every time we were in church, this pull and um it just kept coming, and so I, I looked to Jonathan, and I was like, Jonathan, I think we need to start paying attention to what's happening. But it wasn't until we got to Japan and actually saw the spiritual needs there that our hearts broke in a way that I don't think either of us have ever experienced. Mm-hmm. And so 
we were very prayerful when we returned. We didn't want it to be an emotional decision. We wanted it to be spirit-led, so we really just went to God in prayer for several months after we returned. And our thought was that if it wasn't God's will for us to go, that desire to maybe partner with him, but maybe not go would, would happen, but that's not been. It was very much a, the desire to go back has only multiplied and increased. And it's also, we know that this is the will for us because we're changing already. You know, we're not even there yet. And God is drawing us closer to him and revealing himself to us in a way that we've never experienced. And so that's, an, that's another way that we know that this is his will in our life. So it's going to take many people to get you to, to Japan and, and, and be in service. How many people? How many people we have to meet with? You think? Uh, hundreds. And at first, yeah, that it seemed daunting at first because we didn't feel like we knew hundreds of people. And God really put it on our hearts the, the past month that, you know, we're connected to so many people here at Central. And he's given us an opportunity to share the news of the need in that country mm-hmm. and uh, to be able to get people to be more aware that Japan is a country that has a huge need because not a lot of people would think, you know, Japan, huge need for the gospel, but but that need is there. And we get to need, make people be aware of that and not just help them uh, understand that they can get involved financially and through prayer, but also the same way that we're getting involved as well. Mm-hmm. Well, and if people want to connect with you, they can um, contact you, or you can always connect through missions at centralr.com, and we'll make sure that that um, they get in touch with you and get your information. But just moving forward, what's your, what are your greatest needs? How can Central help you? What can we do? A big thing right now is please be praying for us. Um, this is going to be a season of preparation. Um, God is refining our hearts to prepare us to go and do the work, and, and it, it's hard. It's, um, but it's something, just be praying that our hearts are open and receptive to what he's doing and we just keep our focus on him and who he's calling us to be. Mm-hmm. And then this is also a season where it could be very easy to get discouraged. Um, you know, we have an enemy that wants to stop God's work and so we ask for prayers for protection for our hearts and that we don't get discouraged. But also, if you yourself or if you know somebody who has a heart for missions or maybe even Japan, um, just reach out to us, connect us with other people, and connection is going to be a big way that Central can help us, too. Thanks. So this is Jonathan and Amanda, and this has been very difficult for them to get up here in front of you all. So let's give them a hand. They'll come back up. Um, they will come back up after a little bit, and we will pray for them. That was your sermon. Permission Sunday here at Central. I'm serious. Because here are church members, people have been sitting where you are that are now looking to go out into the mission field on a permanent basis. And really, that's what mission's about. It's that heart change. It's that preparing and adapting. We have a missions team here at Central. Uh, myself, Sean Hood, George Lee, and Vicki Alessi to bring some beauty to the group. Uh, we would be glad to help you in any way uh, either introducing you to people, helping you raise support, anything we can do to help you plug into missions, either domestically or foreign, would be uh, more than happy to take the time and energy to do that. Again, you can always contact us through missions at centralrr.com. And uh, welcome to today's live recording of our podcast. Um, I want to do a little bit of scripture, though, because that's what we're supposed to do here today. So we're going to go to Matthew 28, 
pretty familiar verses for missions. Maybe we'll have a little different slant on it. So open your Bible, Matthew 28, or your device, whatever it is that you have, and, and I'll begin to read through this. <clears throat> I'm going to start in verse 16. That's a little bit different. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And I got right there and I froze this week as I was doing my study. How could some of the eleven doubt? Really, I mean, they saw him beaten, they saw him arrested, they saw him crucified. They saw him taken down from the cross and laid in the tomb. And then they knew that he'd been resurrected. He even joined them in Jerusalem. Thomas doubted, and Jesus said, put your finger in the hole. Put your hand in my side. How could they be doubting at this point? So I wasted two days of my study chasing down that word, doubt. And I'll tell you, see, Ben's here. He came back for me. And uh, I'll tell you what that word is in Greek, but Ben's just finished four semesters of Greek, and so he'll correct my pronunciation, so I won't even try. But the word's used one other time in Scripture. And that's in Matthew 11 where Peter walks on the water. And I don't know if you remember in that little story, he starts to sink, which may be the greatest miracle in the Bible. Because if you've ever tried to walk on water, you will find that you immediately sink to the bottom. But somehow Peter started to sink, cried out for help. He's still sinking. Jesus reaches down and takes his hand, still sinking, and then lifts him up and said, why do you doubt? So I looked through, I read commentaries, lexicons, dictionaries, and there's no definitive answer. There's not a lot of people that agree on what that word may mean. And language changes over time. You know, if if you grew up with me in the 60s or 70s, a good thing was cool. By the 90s, it was bad. You know, nowadays it's sick, but it all means the same thing. We just have different usages of different words. And so that's why it's so difficult to know the exact meaning. Through all my reading, I just went with diminishing faith, with just your faith getting smaller. But the disciples doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said to take away all doubt. All authority has been given to me on heaven, in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And that's a common verse, verses, passage used when discussing missions. And Jesus is commanding us to go. That word in the Greek is actually a military command, march. It's in the imperative form. That means it's an order. It's not, you're not asked to go. You're not recommended that you go. You are ordered. You're commanded to go. And that's a hard thing. Jesus is telling the disciples what to do. Now, this is after the resurrection. But if we flip over in your Bibles there, in my Bible it's on page um, 1942. I remember it well. Not really. I wasn't here. In the book of Acts, chapter 1. And I'm going to start in verse 7. So this is just a short time later. And uh, it, verse 7 says, 
He said to them, it is not for you to know the time or dates the Father has sent by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. So this is the very last thing he shared. And I think it's an interesting comparison between the two sets of verses, the two passages. In the first one, in Matthew, Jesus tells us what to do. And in the book of Acts, Jesus is telling us who to be. And there's a difference there. You know, I thought about that just even in raising my kids. When my kids were little, I told them, brush your teeth, comb your hair, make your bed, do your homework. I had all these do's. And I was always telling my kids what to do. But as they got older, then I wanted to tell them who to be. Be kind. Be gentle. Be honest. Be truthful. You know, we make this shift even in our parenting, even in our life. As we look at people at the end stages of life, they're always, they're not telling people what to do, they're telling what they want them to be. Be true to yourself, be true to your dreams. And I think that's a neat comparison that even in that short time, Jesus shifted from telling the disciples what to do to who to be. And there's a huge difference there. He said, you will be my witnesses. So we're called to be witnesses. We're called to go and to be witnesses. He didn't say go and preach. He didn't say, and although as I studied this, I went back into it, I'm looking at when you receive power from the Holy Spirit. When you receive power from the Holy Spirit. And we know that was the Pentecost. That would happen here in a few weeks after Jesus had ascended. And the Holy Spirit came down upon the disciples and they went out into town in the power that the Holy Spirit had given them. And Peter actually began to preach. Jesus said, And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I've always heard that explained that Jerusalem was our home. That would be Round Rock here. And then Judea, the area, that would be Texas. and Samaria, that's enemy territory over there. And then even to the ends of the earth. But as I studied this, you know, the disciples weren't from Jerusalem. And they weren't from Judea. And they certainly weren't from Samaria. In fact, if you remember the night Jesus was arrested, there was a, a lady out there, and uh, she accused Peter of being a Galilean, of being one of Jesus' disciples. And she could recognize him by his accent because the Galileans spoke differently than the people of Judea did. And so I wondered about this. What, what is God saying about be a witness? And in Jerusalem, and I go back to the Pentecost, I go back to when the Holy Spirit came in power. And Peter went out and he spoke to a multicultural group of people because it was one of the festivals in Judaism. I'll get it out. I'll spit it out here in a minute. And all the pe people from all different parts of the world had come because you were called to go to the temple during that time. And so people from all the different ends of the earth had come to be in Jerusalem. And if you remember the miracle of tongues, Peter went out and spoke, not in tongues, but everyone heard his speaking in their own language. And it was all these different people from all these different places. You know, we were in 
Spain, if you were here last week, you heard Mark talking about this trip a couple weeks ago. And in the course of a week, we spoke to people from 68 different countries. I mean, that's amazing. We sat at dinner with people from five or six different countries every night. Every night. Fortunately, most of them had some English, so it worked out pretty well for us. Because I have no Korean, no Japanese. I speak no Portuguese. or You know, I mean, there's just all these 68 different countries. But we got to interact with these people. It truly was a multicultural experience. But people ask me, why do we do missions? And so my first answer is because Jesus told us to. He said, go. He said, be my witness. Be a witness. Everywhere. Somewhere. You know, it's easy to get money committed. It's hard to get time. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but the central ties, all the all the money that they're given into foreign missions. And our missions teams looks at how we can invest that. And we spend that money. We, we support a lot of ministries where people have great need. We support a lot of indigenous pastors because we think they're the people that are going to stay there and disciple, that they're going to be witnesses. Even if we go, it's just for a short time or one time. And so as I looked at this, I thought that we're all supposed to be a witness somewhere. And I wanted to show you, there's a little PowerPoint presentation. I want to show you some of the places. And I'm going to turn my back on you because I really thought it would be up there, but it's not. It's on the side screens. But these are some of the ministries we support. And if any of these hit you, let me know. We support the Big C Church here in Round Rock. Hope for the Nations is dealing with Iraqi refugees in Jordan. The Austin Baptist Chapels, the soup kitchen. People go to Antioch Community Church in North Africa the cooperative program of the Southern Baptist Convention supporting missionaries and works, the orphanage in Ego, the poorest of the poor, a teacher in South Africa working in the slums, the International Mission Board sending 5,400 missionaries around the world, Sue Huggins in Wycliffe in Mexico translating the Bible, the Texas Baptist Children's Home and Children in Heart Ministries touching lives here in Round Rock, students in Romania, The Big C Church here in Round Rock, Love the Rock and the uh, Good Friday Lord's Supper service. The NAMB, Planning Churches. Williamson Baptist Association, Planning Churches here in our area, reaching out into Round Rock, the Round Rock Area Serving Center just down the road, Agape Pregnancy Care Center. I know a lot of people already commit time there. Uh, Our Human Trafficking Halfway House, helping people come out of today's bondage and slavery. Impact at A&M, working with, with students across the river I can't even talk about. MAF, delivering mail, medicines, doctors throughout the world. Hospital and a clinic in Haiti, we work with Dr. Snyder. Uh, Antioch, working in India and Nepal, reaching out into the world. Pioneers, uh, working with Yemeni refugees. Navigators, teaching English to refugees here in Austin, Texas. Mission Taiwan, international students from China. United World Missions in Nepal and India. Uh, Allied Mission Church working in the Philippines. Campus Crusade students in Suchaba. Actually, Benny's here. I had dinner with him last night. Gideon's Bible, handing out Bibles in schools, hospitals, doctor's offices. Uh, Africa Inland Mission in uh, Niger. Campus Crusade, Colorado students. The Tanners working with handicapped 
adults in Romania in an orphanage situation, Mission One in Lebanon, working with Syrian refugees. You're involved in all this. WBA Mission Advance, planning churches, Awaken Church, Soma Church, Catalyst Church here locally. Austin Refugee Services, people coming right here from across the world. Sacred Heart Community Church, I mean Community Clinic, providing medical care to those that can't afford it. ADRN, people that are suffering through disasters. World Indigenous Missions in Central America, helping uh, nationals in their church. The Warners in Japan, the Jewels in Kenya, Water for Life in uh, West Africa and in India. Chris Moore with schools in Kenya. Jeff Lark writing curricula for crew to teach people throughout the world. David Heath is in Nigeria. Awaken Church, the plant that we support currently. Tom Bazil, Businesses Mission in Mexico. Breakaway at A&M. Boys to Men of God with Robert Hall right behind the fence here in the public housing. And then the Sudanese Inland Mission, the um, Eberleys in Niger. I mean, these are people all over the world that you're supporting. It's not... No, the weird thing is I know I know these people. It's, it's bizarre. But the point isn't for you to applaud. The point is to see if God nudges you in the direction of any of these ministries. And there are other ministries people are involved in in this church that aren't up on that board. And I know of several of those. But God wants you to be involved. He said, go. He said, be my witness. And he didn't say that lightly. He meant it when he said it. I'm going to go through another little passage here in Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 34. And it says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. So the second reason we do missions is because we do it for him. We do it to him. Whenever we give a cup of water, whenever we give a meal. Going through that list again, it says, For I was hungry. <clears throat> Excuse me, the Austin soup kitchen. You gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, water for life. You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, Austin Refugee Services. And you invited me in. I needed clothes, Round Rock Area Serving Center, and you clothed me. I was sick, Sacred Heart Community Clinic, hospitals in Haiti, a clinic. You looked after me. I was in prison, Central Texas Treatment Center, and you came to visit me. People aren't involved in this stuff here. And for those of you that are already doing it, I commend you. You are doing what you're supposed to do. But I want to talk to those people that aren't necessarily doing it. And as I said earlier, it's a little bit easy to get money. It's a lot harder to get your time. And there's a reason for that. Time is very precious. 
but we all have the same 168 hours a week. And you have to choose what you're going to do with it, where you're going to invest it. Again, we'd be happy to help anyone. Anyone, plug in if God gives you a nudge or God gives you an idea where you need to be. Those were two reasons why we do missions. Now I want to give you the third, and I'll close with this. You know, nowadays in church, the smart people say you're not supposed to do the fire and brimstone anymore because it kind of puts people off. So we do a lot of, you know, Jesus loves you, and that is true. And we affirm people when we try to explain to them, you know, how much God loves you and what he went through for you. But there's a facet of God that is holy, and God is a judge, and we will all stand in judgment one day. So I'm going to give you a little bit of homework. If you had Matthew 25, you could continue reading. And I'm just going to read one verse of it, and that's Matthew 25, verse 41. And it says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me. And that may be one of the saddest verses in the Bible. Depart from me. Go away. I'll let you read the rest of it. The, re- the point of today's message is to take a moment, please, in your quiet time, and ask yourself and ask God if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You know, Mark always says that you are God's masterpiece, created by Him for works that He had prepared in advance for you. He's already created things for you to do. Are you doing them? Are you being a witness somewhere? It's easy to stay locked up in my house now. I like at home. I've been with people all day. I'll sit by myself, I'll play my guitar. I'm good. I'm golden. I'll do my Bible study. I'm fine. But that's not what we were commanded to do. That's not what we were asked to do. You need to be a witness. You need to be reaching out and showing people what God looks like. Remember, you may be the only Bible someone ever reads. You need to represent Him well. I want to ask the band to come back up, and our pastors and our elders and our prayer teams. I'm going to ask the Ryans to come back up so we can pray over them. If God's brought any conviction to your heart today, if there's a need that you have, if you need prayer, please come forward. These people would love to pray with you. I invite you to come up, please, and let's pray over the Rhines as they prepare to enter the mission field full-time. You know, we go back to the old commitment and the contribution. When you're uprooting and headed to Japan, you're, you're you're making a contribution. You're committing your life to something hard. So the band will start playing. Please come.